Recorded in the comfy confines of the Auto Media Group Studios, we bring you the Get Deep Podcast, part of the Connect Podcast Network. Join friends and business owners Aaron Jones and Wes Otto as they bring forth stories of guests who are movers and shakers in their industries and beyond. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Get Deep Podcast tonight in this beautiful September uh, day. So blessed to be alive. Not only that, but also blessed to have another great guest on the podcast tonight. We are talking with Grant Pope. And Grant Pope is operations manager. Is that the, is that the title? It's a decent title. What, yeah. do you, what do you want the title to be? I think operations manager is cool. King yeah. of the king of the campground. Yeah, king of the grounds. Yeah. King of the no. campground. <laughs> I love operations that. is good. Yeah. I dig it. Well, he is, uh, we'll call it uh, operations manager um, of Camp Dells, which is located in Waterville, Minnesota. And they have been around since 1955 and pro- producing fun for the family, all ages, uh, third generation, uh, so that would mean his grandfather uh, started the business. And so we're going to get into that story tonight. And I'm super excited about it because uh, how this all started, I actually was in Jay Long's and two guys uh, stopped in. They had these bright colored neon green t-shirts on and, and they're just big Camp Dells, Camp with the K across the front. And I was like, I've heard of the business. I may have even been there, but tell me more about it. And so I got a quick synopsis and... Uh, after uh, after talking with those those guys for a little bit, um, I decided, well, who should I talk to about the story? Because that's what we're about here on the Get Deep Podcast. So, um, so that's that. Yeah. But Grant, welcome. Yeah, thanks to, for having me to the Get Pumped Deep Podcast. Yeah. Awesome, appreciate yeah, it. Man. Thank you so much. And you have never done a podcast before. So never done a podcast. Like, First time. Got this sweet equipment. Cameras in my face. We're popping your chair. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic, man. <laughs> Happy well, to be here. Thank you. Well, I surely appreciate your time because um, just as myself, you also have a uh, young a child at home. I have young children, but you have a young child. Uh, how old's your baby? I have a baby girl, nine months. Mara is her name. Mara, yeah, that's a cool fantastic. name. I appreciate it. Yeah. We went to Africa a couple of years ago. My wife and I, we love to travel, do a lot of traveling. So we went over to Africa. We took a trip with my parents, my aunt and uncle at the time. We are kind of... I'm 30 now, having my first child, so definitely waited, did a little traveling, went over there, traveled around the Mara River okay. in Africa is where the name came from. So The Mara River. Mm-hmm. Is it M-A-R-A? Yep. Okay. Yep. Beautiful. I, I have met one person in my life named Mara and, sure. I, Mara, and I always thought it was a beautiful name. She was from Australia. Okay, cool. Met her at a leadership camp in sure. high school, but a very sweet girl, and I'm sure, I'm sure your girl yeah. is also very sweet. It's great. Fills our heart, man. Yeah. <laughs> how, was that, uh, how has that changed your life now that uh, you got a baby and you've hit... Um, Th- the three zero, a new <laughs> a new decade in the that life is of Grand crazy. Pope. Yeah, honestly, it's been great. Life's good. Um, having a kid has been very interesting. I mean, in a, in a very great. I mean, it's changed me in the most positive way possible. My life. I've been a very business oriented, go 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 kind of guy. Travel the world. You know, pedal to the metal. Right. Just do it all. You know and. We waited on purpose, you know. My wife and I have actually high school sweethearts. We were together all the way back. I think 2011 is when we started dating. Not that I'm counting. She'd be proud of me. Um, <laughs> so since 2011, we've been together. And, uh, yeah, we kind of waited. We just we were enjoying just our time together and traveling the world and doing different things and being able to kind of go as we wanted to and just 
it was time for us to, you know, say, okay, this is time to settle down a little bit. And it has been magical, honestly. It's been one of the best things that's ever happened to us. Um, raising a kid is fun. It changes your life as a dynamic, as a couple. And spending time, simple time, becomes better time. So it's been really good um, as a family, as a whole. As a business, it's been it's been a juggle for me to try to slow down and prioritize my time. And I've gotten a little better on scheduling time and putting my phone down yeah. when when it's time to come home. I just, and I've always been a guy that just kind of takes the calls as they come or the emails right. as they come. I'm the guy grinding at 930. So <laughs> it's been a transition for me to say, it's been good. It's been, I've been comfortable with it, but still a challenge every day. When I see him come in, I can't help but be like, ooh, I might have to get to that. No, I got to settle down a little. Right. So it's been good though. What's your wife's name? Laney. Laney. Yeah. Also a good name. Yeah, appreciate That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she is, is she how old? Laney is 28. Okay, 28, two years younger than me. Yeah, 30. I'm 30. Daughter's yeah. nine months. Yep. Very cool. Um, how's Laney doing? Failing with the motherhood thing because that's always a that's a change of yeah. everybody's life when that happens, right? Is she For feeling sure. good? Is she you know yes. in that role and just loving what yeah, she's doing? She's doing really great, honestly. My wife is the sweetest soul. I'm sure everybody says that, but my wife is just. My heartbeat, my, you know, she calms me down. She keeps me sane. She's behind every great, I always say that, behind every, like, great entrepreneur, great person, there's, like, there's a great spouse, you know. She's definitely my great spouse. She's my grounding person. She keeps me calm. She keeps me sane. I get to talk to her. So she's been great um, just in general in my life. But when it comes to having the child, she she has a very strong passion for animals. Um, She's been saving and rescuing cats for the last... 10 years which is just it's a comical thing between the two of us um i'm so business entrepreneurial like let's do this let's do that she's out here trying to save a cat in the winter time or something <laughs> like that so how many cats you got oh, oh i have so we have two dogs <laughs> i'm a dog person so we have two dogs we have two cats but we kind of have like the transient door that just, they come and go. I mean, I don't even know what her count is in the last five years. Maybe 50 cats have come and gone and wow. they come. I have two at my house now. One has a little peg leg. Yeah. And the other one what just you, comes you as a, a name a, for Yeah, him? dude, I named the cats. You it's gotta, my rule. You gotta have it's my nicknames. rule. The cats come in. There's, there's a couple of rules. The cats can come. They can stay. I don't do anything for the cats other than I'm here to support you, but I don't do anything. I don't want to clean the litter boxes or feed them or do anything. And they can't stay forever, yeah. right? So that's the rule. But I also get to name them. Yes. So this one came in. He had a little peg leg. His name is Jack Sparrow. Thought I it was love a good it. Name. I was like, it's got to be some sort <laughs> yeah, of pirate name for or something sure. like that. Yeah, that's so, fantastic. So she's always been like an animal lover. These kinds of things. And when we were talking about you know having a child and growing into this stage, she was nervous. Like, oh, what am I going to do with all my? You know, how am I going to do this? And now, now she's calling me. Like, I think I want to cut back on work so I can hang out at home with Mara. So yeah. I know things are going. And the really feeding well the stray cats has gone down a little bit because <laughs> yeah, she has other obligations. Right. Like a yes. daughter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, cats. I loved you before. Now you are second class right. since I have a child. Right. So, <laughs> it does change. You know, yeah. animals kind of, um, I joke about that a lot of times. We have two cats sure. as well. No dogs. Not that I'm against dogs. Yep. I grew up with, you know, dogs, cats, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But we have uh, Ravioli and, and Frankie P. Love it. At home. And, have to uh, name the cat something just wild. Yeah, man. you do. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's awesome. So, but they've become kind of, <laughs> we, we love them. At night, they get little belly scratches yeah. while we're watching a show or something, you know, after the kids go to bed. But 
they've become kind of second class citizens, if you will, because <laughs> they get ignored a lot. Totally. It's just how it goes. It is. But before kids, you're like your baby, everything. I gotta pick them up and bring them with yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. and Big then roll the shit out of myself <laughs> yeah. because they shed all over you. But or you leave the house, it's right by the door. <laughs> oh, it's all day, every day. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take a quick hot second and do a shout out to an awesome new sponsor of the Get Deep podcast. We're so blessed. You know, Wes and I started this podcast a little over a year and a half ago. And uh, with the goal of inspiring people with business stories and also edifying businesses that have been around for a long time and the people who run them. Uh, Another business or a couple of businesses that have come on board on sponsorship level has been Office Space Design, OSD. Um, they have been around for 20 years in the Mankato area and are a full circle contract office design, furnishing and installation company. Whether you're looking for a single office chair, uh, to a full office space design, just see what I did there. Well played. They can take care of you. Um, they're locally owned, uh, which is always cool. And, uh, they've got a lot of inspiration, a lot of people on their team that can provide you with great value. Uh, no matter what you're looking for. So OSD, Office Space Design, check them out um, and uh, or uh, stop down in their showroom and look at what they got. Uh, also, Denco Lighting, also owned by Office Space Design team. How cool, right? You can go there and get a new one-stop shop desk or office chairs or you can get you know other things for your, your whole office design. But then you can say, well, shit, this looks good, but what about the lighting? Mm-hmm. This is really old school. Let me throw a plug in on the lighting even. Please. I think a lighting in a room, you want to add it, just something like simple like a fixture, mm-hmm. something like that can honestly change the dynamic of a room completely. 100%. And if you can go to a space where you can stop in and they can really walk you through a process, like, hey, I can vision it with you because I think a lot of people tr- struggle with the vision. Right. Seeing something from start to finish, I kind of want this, this, and this, but throw a little lighting in there, ties it together real good. Hugely. Big time. I'm a big light person. We built a house about a year and a half ago and I had... My electrician put dimmers on all of our switches and like, you know, had all these random different areas um, because I think it definitely does set the mood. So another thing that Denco Lighting does, not only do they, um, you know, can give you a vision on an office space, but I was checking out their website just today and looking at their sconces that hang on the wall. And I was seeing some, I was kind of working through their process and inspiration little area bedroom sconces to set the mood mm. for molly and i like it's it. like why not <laughs> you know it's like we're walking into this boutique hotel so that's that pretty perfect. cool uh, but they do fans they do lamps uh one of the things that i think is pretty cool too grant is they also uh repair lamps so sure. i guess I, I just learned this recently um from dane fisher sure. when he was on the podcast the owner um, that they can take an old lamp, maybe your grandma owned or something that you owned, and maybe something needs updating with the electrical right. or needs repair, and they actually do that. And there's mm. really nobody else around that That's does that. Quite so, neat, actually. Pretty sweet. So, yeah. Office Space Design or Denco Lighting, please check them out. Um, Denco Lighting, 626 North Riverfront Drive, open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., Office Space Design. I do not have their hours right now, but look them up, and they can sure as heck help you. So, thank you again for that. Back to Grant. Yes. Hey, buddy. Mm. How are you doing over there? I'm good, man. This is great. Solid? Yeah. So let's get into your story. So uh, again, you know, people listening, who's Grant Pope? Um, well, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, where you grew up and kind of how your upbringing was. And, sure. and then we'll kind of get into the family business that so many people sure. have uh, loved over the years. It's a good question. Um, grew up in a small town, small town of Waterville. 
small little 1800 people i don't think the population's changed since i was born so it's always been uh just that small town kind of feel kind of how i like it though um just you know one stop sign in the thing no you know street lights no traffic that kind of deal um grew up in a family of three brothers so four boys so mom dad four boys in a household yeah right so Grew up in Sheetrock was always in good oh, condition. Man, I got a good story about that with airsoft guns when we were kids. <laughs> oh, dad just does not let us live it down. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, we were, you know, four kids running around um, when we were when we were young. I mean, we we were growing up in a, a business family um, and and a business that was you know pushing to make it. You know, at the time, I think. Third generation, you always hear about the third generation and how lucky they are. And sometimes that's honestly the trickle point when things fail. It's when you get to the third generation. First person worked super, super hard. Second person watched the first person sacrifice their life. They feel, you know, and then the third person gets to reap the benefits of everything that's gone on over the past two generations. So um, we grew up in that, that second stage, you know. Mom and dad were super supportive Christian family that, you know, went to church on Sundays, get good grades, go to school, be a good person, you know, work hard, that kind of a typical household. But I think, honestly, when I think back to my childhood, I think we had a pretty good life, you know. We got, uh, we had to work, you know. That was one thing that was always different as we were kids. Hated it, you know. <laughs> hated coming home from school and dad sitting there in the truck like yeah load them up we got to go water trees or we got to it was just like oh my gosh you know played a lot of sports as a kid you know that was kind of my thing as a kid that and it's taught me a lot throughout my life sports just in general I played a a ton of sports as a kid pretty successful not nothing crazy or anything like that I'm not you know doing anything at the next level by any means but uh had a good had a good young career in sports and taught me a lot of life lessons that even at the time maybe I didn't know or I didn't understand but being where I am now and looking back at you know the life experiences that I've had I think that definitely contributed to who I am and the idea of business and sports and how they tie together but yeah, a, a typical working class family, those kinds of things. Sports-wise, so let's go into a little bit of detail sure. there. So um, I think we chatted a little bit before the podcast. Yeah. You mentioned you played basketball for MSU for a bit. I did, is that, yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah, I played okay. through all my upbringing. I played sports young. I played a lot of football, a lot of basketball. Those are kind of my two things, just kind of a – I've always been a work super hard kind of guy, you know, just putting in more effort than most. And that always has not always been the fastest, the quickest, strongest, the smartest, but always willing to work harder than the person next to me. And that's always kind of elevated me. Love that. Yeah. So that's always been my like MO in sports. You know, I'm going to show up, I'm going to give it 112% every single, you know, second of every single day. And that's always been my niche that kind of pushed me a little bit farther. So throughout high school, had a pretty good, successful, you know, high school basketball career. Did some cool stuff. Set some nice records. You know, those kinds of things. Football, we had a good run. Won a state championship. Did nice. a lot of fun stuff in high school sports. And then, collegially, yeah, I came to Mankato, and what a great experience for me. Came here. In my mind, I was a really good player. Elevated at a high level. Came here. Sat the bench. Had to learn how to be a teammate, how to learn how to contribute at a different level other than playing, which was a 
honestly great experience for me in my life and just how it shaped me. How did you feel while you were sitting on the bench watching the other players yeah. play, waiting for your time to shine? Super tough thing. Honestly, I haven't talked about it a lot in my life, you know, so it's a, it's a great opportunity to talk about it. But for me, a coming, you know, from high school, a small town, you know, so you got to put that in perspective, you know, a little class A, class 2A school. But I felt like I played at a super high level. I was always, again, competed at just the nth degree every single day. So coming into, you know, Mankato, big basketball school and beautiful facilities. Like, I was just, this is amazing. Wow. Like, I'm coming in. I feel like I'm a, you know, D1 athlete. coming. So it was a lot of fun, the experience of walking into something like that. I just, I was so honored to be a part of that, going into the facilities from the weight room to the gym. What a cool experience. And then you start getting into the the humbling process of the sports. You start going to practice, and you're like, damn, these guys are good. You know, like you think you're good, and then you go to this, and you, pretty soon your confidence starts getting knocked. You know, pretty soon, man, maybe I'm not that good. You know, oh, I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm to try to fit in. You know, instead of trying to, like, be someone special, I'm just going to try to fit in. But that's that confidence thing, too. You start just trying to fit in. Pretty soon your confidence starts to lack a little bit. So I got to this point. I redshirted my first year, which was a great thing for me. I was a young, small kid at the time. You know, I couldn't, you know, play with these big guys. So redshirting for me was the right idea. I always took the weight room super seriously. And then my freshman year, looking for some time, trying to find some tick, you don't get it. You know, you're like, you get discouraged. There's mm-hmm. definitely things like, how am I going to do this? Like, what am I doing? And it... At this level, it takes a lot of your time. You know, I mean, you got school you got to go to. And again, right. I was raised in a family that that, that shit's important. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to class, like right. you get good grades, like you learn something. Like, we're not going to school to waste time. You know, if you're going to waste time, go do something else. So right. for me, it was like, okay, I got to take my school super seriously. But then on top of that, you got to go watch film, you got to hit the weight room, you got to go to practice, you got to hit the road and travel. And like, it's just, it's a full-ass commitment to this the sport and what's going on so for me going into that learning through that experience not playing being discouraged then it comes down to support system too, finding people that you can lean on and you know help push you through things so yeah it that experience alone and then you get into trying to figure out how to get through it you know, kind of saying, am I going to keep doing this? Am I not going to do that? And then leaning on my support system to kind of help push me through that. Right. I mean, the, the lessons, I know this sounds so cliche, but the lessons that you learn in adversity, right? You know, the times that you you aren't maybe, for lack of a better phrase or word, winning um, are the ones that you remember. Right. You know, if you had ultimate success oh, the whole way through so and you, 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 you started playing right away and you're nailing right. shots and you're doing your thing, you're on top of the world. It's great. You're going to remember it, but you're probably also going to be a, a, a quite a bit different person in the Anytime. future, right? I mean, it teaches you those lessons, but it sounds like you had a good base, like the way your dad was about hard work, your parents, right. your grandpa, uh, you know, with again, eventually we'll get into uh, obviously Camp Dells, but yeah. um, which really kind of set you up for success in what you're doing now, right? Right, which is cool. Big time. Um, did you ever think about switching positions and not wanting to play center and yeah. maybe you got more playing time? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a heck of a start, huh? <laughs> that was it took him so long because he demanded he wanted I'm to play with center. the big six eleven guys, or I'm not doing it. Yeah, He's jumping on their shoulders. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. What's the number one lesson you think you learned from uh, that experience with college athletics? Mm. 
honestly, it's it's pretty easy for me. And this is, and I mean, those people that know me too, because I preach it, I bleed it, I just, this is who I am now. It's just, it's team, honestly, just be a part of something, you know, as opposed to, because this, this is where sports carry over into life. It's like, be, you know, when we go into work, like, oh, everyone wants to be the boss. Everyone wants to be the CEO. It's like, yeah, but, you know, think of things, again, this is where we come back to the vision. It's create the vision and, like, just be a part of something that fills you up. Like, don't worry about what level I contribute at or what the the media or your friends, like, just know that you're contributing to that cause, that vision, that thing, whatever that is, like, Stop listening to the noise and like buy into that. And as a teammate, that's what it taught me. It's like I knew I wasn't going to play as much as I wanted to play. So what can I do? Mm-hmm. Where do I come in? Where do I contribute? So then I started pushing guys. Like I'm going to work my ass off in a weight room and I'm going to bitch you out when you're not. You know, I'm going to be the first to show up. I'm going to work harder than you. Even though I know I'm not going to play, it's not going to give me any playing time, but it's going to make you better. Yeah, inspire, you know? inspire yeah. them. Right, where which guys is, would look big. at that. Yeah, It's a big, that, that mentality. I mean, I'm just giving you props. I mean, just yeah. I think it's neat um, at that age um, that you were willing to look at it that way and right. have that sort of vision or that mentality about it because, shit, I mean, I definitely was I, – I did run college uh, cross-country. Sure. And track for my freshman right. year at UMD, but other than that, I mean, my mindset was in a total different place. Yeah. Um, you know, partying and girls yeah, yeah, and all yeah. the things. So yeah. it was it was different. So to have that mentality then, just again, goes back to you had yeah. a good basis, even though at times it was, you right. know, probably shitty yeah. when you know mom and dad were making you do all right. this other stuff on the side when you yeah, wanted yeah. to just hang out. You know, and parents always did such a good job of supporting me when I came to some of that stuff. And not that I ever faltered on quitting, but when you had come have these conversations, like. Solid support. You can do it. You know that you can do it. It's like, God damn it, I can do that. You know, yeah. I can get through this, you yeah. know. So I did, I ended up graduating five years, all five years, played for the same team, never transferred, stayed with it. Super proud of that, honestly. Love that. Yeah. So when did you get your first chance to play? I got some time. You know, I, so as a freshman, I don't think I got much time as a freshman. I redshirted as a freshman, I didn't get much. My sophomore year, I contributed Smallly. I mean, I was always going to be minimal. I was never going to start. I was not going to play 30 minutes a game. But I played some big games that I played, you know, 12 to 13 minutes a game. That was a lot for me. Yeah. I feel like I contributed again. They would pull me in. Again, hard guy that well, like, just was going to come out and work hard. So they'd be like, hey, just go guard that guy. Just, just give him fits, you know. So that was my role. Sophomore year, I played some. Junior year minimally senior year and it's always just kind of how the team fits you know the molds come in the transfers come they go how the team molds together what positions work so i think my peak of my career was my sophomore junior year okay yeah gotcha and what position was your i played a guard yeah one guard usually maybe sometimes a two i wasn't a big scorer okay again just a play hard guy just a team guy there you go the hustle guy the hustle yeah, guy. Yeah, that was me. Well, it seems to fit well into the next topic we're going to talk sure. about, which is Camp Dells here in a, in a moment. Um, obviously, that's a, that's a business you, you got to keep grinding. Right. You got to keep moving sure. because there's always something to do, right? right? Whether it's a resort up north in beautiful northern Minnesota or it's a campground in Waterville, Minnesota, right. um, there's always something to do, you know? Right. And uh, obviously, there's a season you know, from basically May to September, right? You know, yeah. your, your, what is it? Labor Day to Memorial Day, Pretty Memorial Day to Labor, Labor Day, Day, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Um, which is kind of your peak, but there, there's things to do outside of that too. For sure. Um, obviously prep. What I want to do before we get 
uh, into your role today and in the campground today is talk about how that vision started. I know I mentioned it in the intro about when, but let's start with the uh, beginning story of Camp Del. Sure. So as far as I, I'll give you as much as I can remember, like not remember, but they've told me through the years. Sure. I get a lot of stories from, you know, dad. And actually we have a lot of family that's still involved with the business. So it helps to get those kind of stories. But grandpa, so grandpa Dell, hence the name Camp Dells. Um, he started it back in 55. He was a man of the Navy. So he went, he enrolled in the Navy, and while he was away, he would send all his money back. You know, they got paid, not even sure, every two weeks or something like that. He would tuck his money in an envelope, and he'd send it back to my grandma. So my grandma and grandpa had seven kids. You know, back in the day, they had huge families and stuff like that. So they would... So he would go to the Navy, he would make his money, he'd send his money back, you know, all his friends and stuff would go out to the bars and do all those types of deals. And he had this vision that he was going to create this crazy camping resort. Like that's always kind of what he kind of wanted to do is create this crazy resort in the town of Waterville. Camp Dells is built on Lake Sakata. So at the time, if you dig into some history, the town of Waterville is the bullhead capital of the world. As glorified as that sounds. But it's the bullhead capital of the world. So Lake Sakata, Lake Tatanka, those are two lakes that are connected in that area known for bullheads. So people, fishermen, would come down to our area to fish bullheads. That was kind of the thing. So my great-grandpa actually owned the neighboring resort to where we're built now. He owned it for... I couldn't tell you the years, talk to my parents, but he actually owned that resort at the time. That's where my grandpa got this idea. Kind of saw what he was doing and said like, oh, I could do that, but at a different level. I could do that a lot better. And my great grandpa always told him like, what are you doing? I'm wasting my whole life doing this. Like, stop wasting your time trying to do this. It's a dead end. Like, let's not go down this path again. But my grandpa had this vision. So in 1955, after sending this money home from the Navy, he decided to build a cabin, which still stands today. It's been remodeled a few times, but it still stands today. So he built this cabin, this one cabin, and started renting it. Kind of called it, in the very beginning, it was called Blue Spruce Resort. And the reason being is because there was a bunch of blue spruce trees on the resort. Now, if you look at the logo, it's two blue spruce trees that make the resort. Okay. So back in the day when it first started, it wasn't called Camp Dells. It's called Blue Spruce Resort. And that was the reason. So then we've kind of tied it into the Camp Dells over the time. I didn't. He did. But so he built this one cabin, started renting it to families, kind of worked. You know, he was full. He was great. You know, his wife. He my, was VRBO before yeah, VRBO was, was a thing. VRBO. And the, imagine VRBO and this dial-up phone taking these <laughs> reservations. So, yeah, he did one cabin. Worked. He really liked it. Decided, hey, let's build a second. He was a school teacher when he came back from the Navy in the local community, which he was very influential in a lot of ways. Like, when you talk to now, again, as we're getting older, there are still people. I just looked at a house the other day with somebody. And I walk in, and they're like, oh, you're a pope. Like, oh, your grandpa taught me back in the day. And these people are 80 years old, you know. But they, like, he still wow. carries that. He was, a, he, was just a, he was just a changer. He was just kind of a person that wanted to leave an influence with you. He didn't care. He would go out and plant trees with people. He was just that kind of a guy. But he was a school teacher when he came back from the Navy. So not making a lot of money, not doing a lot of stuff, contributing to the community, saving every penny he could. Built one cabin, second cabin came. 
started renting the two cabins. It was a lot of fishermen coming to Lake Sakata fishing bullheads. They would come as families. So at the time, you know, he was looking at this to say, gosh, these are a lot of families. I see the wives. I see the kids doing nothing, sitting out front, you know, throwing a ball, doing this, doing that. I see the husbands going out, and they're fishing all day long, right? So, like, you have to do something for the families. So then he started entertaining these different things that he could create for these families to do where the wife and kids were like, we want to go there because we have something to do while the husbands went fishing. So that was kind of the vision. And then he started adding a couple campsites. I think people was more based on demand where they were like, hey, can we bring a camper? Can, and at the time, you know, we're talking campers, you know, 14-foot little shacks that were homemade <laughs> on wheels, you know. So, sure, you know, you can bring a camper. Yeah, why not? Like, again, revenue, sure, we can make a little bit of money. I'll run an extension cord from my house out to your camper. And, like, then again, he looked at this and was like, wow, like, we could, maybe I could do two or three of these, you know. So then he ran some wire in the ground and a lot of stuff that he did early on obviously was so makeshift. It was just, let's just dig a hole and bury some wire and it was an extension cord in the ground, you know. And then started to do in a couple campsites and was like, wow, this this is a thing. You know, we should take this a little bit more seriously. So added 20 campsites. And then in 1972, don't quote me on that, but 1972 he decided I'm going to build a pool. Like, I'm going to put a pool in, but I'm not just going to put a little pool in. Like, when we put this pool in, I want to put the biggest, baddest pool around. And so he decided, I'm going to put this pool in. And that's really, in all the stories that I've heard that really, like, took us to the next level, was kind of that decision. When he put this pool in, he put two diving boards in, the small slide. People were just feeling like, wow, this is just crazy, you know. So that's kind of the start. Did you ever meet him? Yes. Okay. So my grandpa died, couldn't even tell you the year, probably like 10 or so years ago. Okay. I was young, I think. Actually, I was in college. So like my early years of college, he did have some like mental stuff in his late days. A lot of people said he was kind of crazy, like bipolar crazy. You know, he just was just this guy that had so many ideas in his head and just even in his late days would just kind of just like sometimes he'd be sitting in the chair and just spew some stuff. Like it was just his mind was always going. But yeah, I, I knew him. I wish I would have known him more, yeah. you know, especially now in my later age, later age of 30. But as I look at it, it's like, oh, yeah. I think we'd get along really well. Right. You know, so I wish I could have some conversations with him. It's different. You know, the, the thing is, though, is, again, the growth and 10 years ago, you know, from being 20 years old to 30 right. years old. And, and how old was he when he passed? <sighs> I think uh, like low 80s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, talking from the beginning of the podcast, and I'm not sure if it got recorded or not. <laughs> uh, if you guys haven't noticed, my trusty uh, podcast host, uh, co host, partner, Wes Warner Otto, is in Washington, D.C. Uh, right now with his girlfriend, Molly. Uh, so I'm, I'm solo tonight. <laughs> if you haven't noticed it, then I don't know what you're drinking, but I want some of it. And so does Grant. Um, but uh, anyhow, um, where was I going with that? <laughs> I don't know. What's I was going just listening. <laughs> no, uh, so no. Oh, I was saying about grandparents and how special you right. know grandparents are. You know, grandpas yeah, yeah. and grandmas and that relationship. Yeah, and it sounds like he was definitely progressive and ahead mm -hmm. of his time. And sometimes, yeah, you, you know, you mentioned about the bipolar thing. And since we're in the spirit of you know putting mental health at the forefront, right. you know, there is a lot of people in the past who have had situations like that that probably had mental right. issues and there's moments of G 
genius right is what keeps coming to my mind and um, I've got a stepfather who also struggles with sure. with bipolar and mental health issues and um, there's a lot of really good ideas that come out of that brain at times of unfortunately mania but mm. there's also um, there's a really good person in there too right. you know even though there is you know the depression and the mania and the, the different episodes that can happen um i think uh also you know the difference of somebody who's seen war you know uh, i'm not sure how active he was in seeing you know things right. or if you guys ever heard about it if your dad ever talked about it, but he was a navy guy stories, right had to have some of that some of that experience he right. was a navy guy and it's how long was he in uh, i want to say he was in like uh two terms eight years maybe yeah so i mean if he if he started that in uh in 55, then I would put him in the late 40s, would which guess. would mean the later part of, you know, after right. World War II, but still right. seeing, Those hearing, experience, experiencing yeah. things. Um, maybe that had something to do with it, too. Right. It too. Did your family right. ever talk about situations lot, like that? to be honest with you, as far as, like, going back into, the, like, the the Navy and stuff like okay. that and carrying on with some of that stuff. He just, yeah, he definitely was. He definitely had, like, you used that term mania, and I've heard that, like, with my family and saying, sure. like, he had some of that. But, yeah, he just, I think he was just kind of had these, like, crazy visions and ideas, you know? Like just, and then I hear stories from my dad sometimes, too, because he'll even say, like, jeez, you sound like Dell or something <laughs> like that. Like, oh, my God, Grant, that's nuts, you know? Like, what are you, like, oh, my God. But, those were some of the visions that my grandpa used to have too. And he would just get these crazy ideas in his head. And he was just, he was 110% all in. He would do whatever it takes to make it happen. Right. That kind of an idea, even if it was crazy, right? he would do it. But that's kind of what made him special too. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. it, also, it is what makes people special. Now, it's also good to have somebody on the team that's a, that that's a governor, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I mean more of that term as from a, a vehicle term than an actual person. Right. Uh, but somebody that's going to, uh, you know, put on the brakes every once in right. a while and say, this, uh, this is a little right. faster than we need to go right now. <laughs> That's a really good idea, but how do we mold and shift that into right. something better? Right. Um, and I'm not sure, was that your grandma? Definitely. Was it? Yeah, okay. I think my grandma was always the one of reason. And I, it's, it's really cool, and this ties into the family business a lot of ways. And it's cool to look back because it's instilled so much across the board as far as, the family aspect and you can, you know, I'm sure we'll get into some of this, but why it's been successful, why is the family tied together? And it is undoubtedly so my grandma and grandpa and maybe more so my grandma in the aspect of my grandpa was the, the crazy guy that had the vision that just kept ramming this thing through. And my grandma was the one that just kind of said, don't forget that our family's important. And the way that they've instilled that they have seven kids and six of them live within about three miles of the campground. Like, nobody's gone too far. And we are intertwined as a family so much. And just everybody cares about each other. And we all can just contribute that all the way back to the to the Phyllis. That's my grandma's name was Phyllis. So it was Del and Phyllis. But Phyllis always reminded everybody of what was actually important. You know, and I can hear stories of my dad or my aunt saying, I went back and I talked to my grandma. I was just going to chew that guy out. And then when it came to it, she just reminded everybody what was important. And then everybody left. Everybody was okay, happy, content with each other. Life is good. Family's important. And even in my stage of life, I can remember those. My grandma has passed too. But those things about my grandma stick with us pretty diligently of yeah. the importance of family 
and don't make something bigger than it needs to be. Remember what's actually important in life. So right. kudos to her. Yeah. It's, it's also got to be difficult too when you're running a family business, whether it's, you know, Dell and Phyllis or all the way down the line right. to where you guys are now. Um, when, when you have a family business, it's easy to take offense to things and take easy. it personally so because true. it's your family name mm-hmm. on it. Even though your name, it's Camp Dells, but your name isn't necessarily right. on it. It's still your family's business. For it's sure. your legacy. It's something right. that started with you. So somebody, you know, doing something a little bit rambunctious because they've had a few too many cocktails. <laughs> all of a sudden it's, you know, it's easy to take it personally right. or it's easy or it may be just that they're human and they're having a good time For sure. at your sweet campground. And maybe you need to remind them, uh, but yes. I know you're having fun, but it's quiet hours so mm-hmm. just keep her down right you're having fun right thanks right, for coming right. in and you exactly. know there's a way to handle it yeah totally we kind of chatting about that before the podcast yep. even started you know different ways to handle things Big and time. motivate staff and mm-hmm. such so um but wow so started we kind of left off with him you know with your father or with your grandfather del yeah. noticing his father correct mm-hmm. have the the land and little saying, camping I wanna, resort right? yeah, yeah. Do that. what was the name of his by the way do your so grandfather's resort? i want to say you're stretching on me a little but i want to say my great grandpa's name they had it like otto's resort okay which is funny because the resort so if you ever go visit us on a map or something like that we we are if you take a right on the lake scott or scott lake road there's a camping resort. It's called Lakeview now. It's a great place. They've been neighbors for us for many, many years. Fantastic people. Get along with them. Awesome. They're great. To, they're just great neighbors, honestly, for two resorts because they're a camping resort too. They have cabins. They have campgrounds or campsites. We have the same idea, but yet there's. it's just it's a fantastic. We're both local. We both get along. So, But that was my, <laughs> my grandpa's resort way, way back when. My great-grandpa's resort was that place which still stands today, and then we drew a line in the sand and then completely built off for the next 75 acres on the other side. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so crazy. I love it. And so what it, what it is to now to kind of get people up to yeah. speed with the history. So 1955, the vision starts. It's, yeah. Was it always Camp Dells right away? Is that what it was? No, right well, it was Blue Spruce. I'm sorry, yeah, Blue Spruce. Blue yeah. Spruce. And I, I couldn't even tell you the actual day that it changed into Camp Dells. It was Blue Spruce Lodge. I want to say pretty early, though, it changed into Camp Dells. Grandpa always was, again, he had this, he had this vision of being different and being kind of like just bold. So he wanted to spell with a K, right? We still battle it today. People are like, oh, camp, C-A-M-P-D-E, <laughs> two L's, S, right? It's still a thing on my marketing. So I'm like, okay, we got to own that dom- domain so that they still come to us because it's, a, it's such a battle. But he always wanted to be different. Our staff shirts, bold yellow shirts because he wanted to be different. He wanted to stick out. He wanted that like just vision of what was what was about us that was different so so yeah to bring it back he built the pool in like the 70s big pool you know big shallow end diving boards had a slide you know and at the time we didn't have that many campsites i don't even know that was part of an expansion i'm gonna put the pool in and we're gonna add 50 campsites and again at that day and age which is funny because now today we're constantly upgrading our infrastructure but at that time you know they were just like well let's put some you know wire in the ground and they got a couple outlets that can run a fan. You know, that's all they need at the time. Well, as things have changed, you know, we've constantly be battling this this upgrading infrastructure system into, you know, the wiring. Now people have two AC units and, and these kinds of things. So, But at the time, it was kind of easy. Like, let's just dig a one-and-a-half-foot trench and just throw some stuff in the ground. And one outlet box, we can put, a you know, five campsites off this thing. It works great. 
So we did this pool, built these campsites. My dad was a big part. He was heavily involved early on. And then he kind of decided he was my dad's super smart guy, honestly. He's the smartest guy I know. Just all around. Just worldly smart, financially smart, like electrically smart. It's just just guys got it all together. So he went to be, he actually went and got his electrical engineering degree. And then he decided, you know, I'm going to go do something different. I'm not going to do this campground thing. And he left. So he left for, I don't know, three or four years. He married my mom. They were high school sweethearts. And then decided, you know what, like there's just something more to life than just working for a company. You know, I want to do something different. I want to be more of, I want to have more purpose. And he came back knowing, you know, financially, I'm going to make way less money. This campground was, I mean, they were in the hole. You know, we've been in the hole since day one. Grandpa started this, took a loan out. They were literally in the red for, I couldn't even tell you the year, maybe like 2000 or something like that. That might be skewed plus or minus some, but they were in the red a long time. And dad came back knowing that, like, I'm going to operate in the red. I'm going to take minimal wage. My mom bought into the idea to say, sure, I'll come along for the ride. Who knows where this life's going to lead? We're running a campground with some pools and some cabins on a lake. Like, sure, let's do this, you know? My dad had just this bull drive to him, too. Like, he was going to just, there's nothing going to stand in my way. And he worked. He was a physical worker. He was out there. He was the guy that could dig twice the trench that anybody else could do, work three times as hard as somebody else, you know, sun up to sundown. He would get it done. So he came back, I think, in 90, 1990. He was a part of it early, came back in 1990, and he had a, a vision to say, I'm going to make this bigger. I'm going to make this better. I'm going to take the time now. We have something that's here. I'm going to take the time to go back and do it right. You know, we're going to, instead of running extension cords in the ground, we're going to do the things that we're supposed to do. So his engineering mind really stepped in and started to build this infrastructure in such a way that it was like, this is sustainable now. You know, we don't have these problems of, breakers tripping on the weekends people are like right. wow this place is sweet like we can we can do all this stuff and then in 2000 they built a water park a second water park so they had the pool and they built this water park and that was how big was the pool that your your grandfather Dell had the vision for in 1972 when he was building that thing um, i mean it, it's it the same like size it was now oh it, it yeah is. it's okay. still i mean we've redone it but it's the same footprint okay i couldn't even tell you it's probably pretty large though like think of um I'm trying to think of what would be comparative like a, or relatable like a, if you went into like a university and you would see a swimming pool it's yeah. of that size maybe not as okay. deep as that is but 65 feet long by 40 feet wide Damn. two diving boards it was like three and a half feet deep and then went down to like 11 feet deep okay. so huge investment though big time I mean, swimming pools are not right not inexpensive and it's constant maintenance especially right. if you live in a cold state mm, like, uh, the like worst. Minnesota. Right. So, um, man, that had to have been a crazy endeavor for that particular time period. I but think that was one of those. Del, right? Yeah, Del that wanted, was one of those Del moments. Yeah, when he was like, he went to my grandma and was like, hey, I'm going to build this pool. She's like, what are you talking? Because, again, her whole life she's been in the red. Never made a dollar. I'll be scratching and clawing to try to make it out of this. So I think it was one of those moments, again, those inflection points of life. I want to build a pool. You're crazy. What are we doing? Okay, let's take 10 steps back again. Try to start our vision getting out of it, you know? But Do you think, in your opinion, just knowing your family, 
your grandpa, your grandma. I mean, when you operate that long, if we're talking about from 1955, you know, 72, obviously the, the, the pool is, the, the pool vision is happening. There's been right. things before that, that he's been thinking about. Right. And obviously your dad came on, you said in 90, mm-hmm. that's a lot of years in the red, which most businesses would give up long before that right. and say, this is too much work for what it's mm-hmm. worth. Cause it was right. How do you keep going in a business like that? I mm. mean, you're part of that family. So what's, right. what's the driving force? Where's the cookie? Where's right. the, where's the. Yeah, it's a good question. Those are those conversations I wish I could have with them yeah. to some what degree. Think, though? What do you think kept kept it going? I mean, if I have to speak, to yeah, to believe in it. If I have to speak from today's day and age, it's just the vision to say. And it's funny because he always made the comment. He always made the comment that I didn't make it as far as I thought I would. You know, like he had this huge aspirations, and he he said that. I just didn't think I made it as far as I would make it, you know, but I think it's the vision thing of setting out to something. And this is what inspires me is the sense of being able to look at something. Cause I look at him and I'm like, man, what a guy, like what an idol, like what a hero, like what a guy that paved the path for like so many people, not even just like the family that runs it, but the people that come and enjoy it. Like they all like, to some degree, oh, to that guy that held that vision, like the family memories that get made out there now, it's because of his grind and his dedication and his like his life that he gave up for that. You know, and that's what inspires me is to say it's it's not about the money, it's not about like me and what I get out of this, rather what I can offer right. other people. So I think that's just speaking from today's day and age. Because why do we keep doing what we do? Because we just want to keep giving back as much as we can give back at the place. Like we want it to be the best that it can be. And I think he always carried that same vision. I just want it to be the best it can be. It wasn't like when I get there, then I'll collect. It was always just like, when I get there, what's the next thing that we need to do? What's the next thing we need to do to make it better? Well, let's right. do that. You know? And that was kind of the vision is we would just keep knocking off the biggest problems as they came as opposed to, okay, when we get done with that, then we'll collect and sell this place. And then, you know, right off into the sunset, it's just never about that. Right. Well, I think it's a beautiful thing and a beautiful testament, which we're going to get into uh, shortly on the second part of this podcast. Uh, but before we do, I do want to give a well-deserved shout out to our fantastic drink sponsor and spirit sponsor. That is our good friends at Chankaska Creek Ranch Winery and Distillery who have been on board with the Get Deep story and what we're trying to create here since day one. So thank you so much for our friends out there. You know, tonight, um, Grant and I are both sipping on, what are we sipping on? Just the Maverick you wine. Want to, you want to talk about yeah, that one for a second? This? See what you see? This is the, uh, we got the red wine, the Chancaska, the Maverick celebrating a hundred year tradition, of Maverick basketball. Pretty Fitting. cool, right? Yeah, Aaron let me choose. I had to pick the Maverick basketball wine. Hell yeah. And it's, it's good. It's going down smooth. Oh, it's great. We're also sipping on a little bit of straight bourbon, uh, whiskey, um, also from the Ranch Road series from Chancaska, which a lot of people know them for their wines, which is obviously obvious. But um, when it comes to something else that we want to talk about and edify in the Get Deep podcast, it's like, okay, well, they do spirits, you guys. They do Ranch Road spirits. So, you know, whether it's vodka or rum.
Dom or their brandy or even their dinner or their um, I call them after dinner drinks or dessert drinks, but the North Forest Creme Series, which I mean, Grant and I are already popping into the other stuff. Might as well maybe crack one of those stuff. Tonight. Why not? <laughs> uh, the maple bourbon pecan liqueur is also super good, especially going into quarter four here, like getting that. a little colder in Minnesota. But surely, surely appreciate the partnership and the belief from from Chang Casca, our friends out there. And uh, if you haven't been out there in a while or ever, please check out the grounds. This fall, they will be having uh, live music on the patio. They're already doing that this summer as well. Um, but the leaves are going to start to change. It's going to be really beautiful. Uh, Grant, you were just out there in the grounds recently, were you not? I was. We I was just telling this. I was telling Aaron this right before we came in. I've never actually been out there before. And I got invited by a couple of buddies or whatever. We went out there. Sweet place. Sweet place. Looks like it's been there for hundreds of years. The, the, the infrastructure is amazing. The buildings look great. The service was awesome. I was, I was telling them, I was like, hey, I'm going to a podcast sponsored by this. Just fitting <laughs> that I was just there. But everything was fantastic. If you haven't gone, definitely go check it out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely go check them out. Chancaskawines.com or in Casota, Minnesota, uh, between Mankato and St. Peter in southern Minnesota. Thank you to our friends at Chancaska. Welcome back, folks. We took a well-deserved break to refill our glasses from our friends at Chankeska and drain the main veins. For those of you who don't know what that means, it means pee. <laughs> um, but we're back with Grant Pope of Dell's Camp Dell's. I, I was going to say Dell's Campground. I realized <laughs> that didn't sound right. Um, so Camp Dell's in Waterville, Minnesota, the bullhead, bullhead capital of the world, which is uh, something I wanted to ask him right off the bat. The bullhead capital of the world, not mm. just the states. The veiled. That's what it's called. Um, it's crazy. Have you had, I'm a, a stupid question, but mm. how do you like the taste of bullhead? Love it, like actually. It? Yeah, it's pretty good. And you guys have bullhead days. We do have bullhead days. You do. And yeah. we actually, ironically, I'm not sure if you know this gentleman, but we had a, a guest just recently on, Brad Connors. Sure. And do yeah. you know Brad Connors? Yeah, his kid works for us. Do, does he yeah. really? That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know if it came up that we had you coming on the podcast or not. Brad was on. Sure. Uh, got a chance to know him really well. Good guy. He's and great he, guy. He's, uh, he talked about Waterville in the early days and because um, he grew up that area sure. and, and whatnot, but that the bullhead capital of the world also came up and he said, it's good. I have it at, uh, you know, once a year is good for me I have it <laughs> once a year and they, they serve it up at the fair yep. and like some sort of yep. is it, tortilla. They deep fry it. Honestly, it's a little weird. They skin it. Yeah. That's all they do. They literally like skin it. They gut it. <laughs> they deep fry it. And then you, they serve it in a little thing and then you literally pull it out. It's a fish. You just pick it off. Honestly, yeah. I have it once a year too. Maybe that's why I like it, but I do like it. Yeah. If you like fish, you're gonna like it. Yeah. It's a little creepy because everyone said bullheads. You're like, oh, I'm gonna eat a bullhead, but it's pretty good. Well, in West was saying on the podcast with Brad, he's like, well, aren't they unclean? Like, kind of dirty, like bottom feeders and yeah. you know shit like that. I mean, I don't really know. I know what a bullhead looks like because yeah. I fished a lot when I was mm -hmm. younger with my stepdad and my mom and my brothers. Right. Um, I know they've got that weird kind of you know little catfishy what, face yeah, yeah yeah weird i mean they just look weird um but i always just wondered if people just truly ate them a lot or yeah. often so not often but once a year not delicious. often especially nowadays like i mean maybe i mean bullhead days is it it's like yeah. if you catch a bullhead you're like oh maybe i should freeze that and save it for bullhead days that would sure. probably be the only time yeah not many it's yeah. crazy well before we we went and took our uh mid-episode break we were chatting about kind of the dreams of Dell and and uh, him continuing to push the envelope on the campground and, and having visions and 
uh, you know, continually being the inspiration, you know, for adding the pool and doing other things. So I wanted to, to fast forward a little bit. I know your dad got involved in 90, you mentioned, right? right? What were some of the early, um, projects that your dad kind of spearheaded and came in? I know you mentioned, his engineering background saying we got to <laughs> instead right. of burying some electrical cords under the ground or extension cables, let's be a little more professional about this. But what else did your dad uh, instill within the camp? Dad definitely at? was, he's always been focused on infrastructure, which has been, uh, I mean, when you look at the way we are now and the way we operate and you think about what we are, we, <laughs> we kind of have our own community out there in a sense, you know, when you think about, Oh, somebody built the town. It's like, well, they have roads and they have drainage for the roads and then they have power and they have sewer and they have water and all those things have to come from somewhere and somebody has to pay for those and think about how they're going to flow and work and tie together and make sense in the place. And honestly, the way we are today has contributed heavily. Our lives are easier now because of my dad's name is Niall because of what Niall's mind shifted towards. You know, my grandpa had this vision of family campground. It's fun. It's exciting. Like it's going to be crazy. People are going to have a blast, you know, like just, Oh, this is going to be great. (laughs) And then my dad's like, yeah, how the hell are you going to make that happen? Right. And like Niall came in and it's like, okay, I get your vision. I'm buying in. I see what you're trying to do you have no idea how the hell you're going to get there, but I do. And he was the one that said, I'm going to take seven steps back and we're going to restart this process. And we're going to run the electric lines the way they should be run so that they can be done. And like maybe for now, you only need a fan, but I know you're going to need an air conditioner at one point in time. And so we're going to run those lines to to hold an air conditioner. We're going to run... You know, us, we, we're going to put sewer in so people don't have to. We had a dump station for a lot of years. So every single person at the end of the, you know, at the end of the weekend had to wait in line at a dump station so they could dump their sewer. Kind of a pain in the ass, right? Like, it's like, oh, this stinks. You know, everybody, look, yeah. they, they would leave early for that. Like, they would want to go, they would want to check out early because, like, well, we have to dump and it's going to be a huge line. I don't want to do that, you know, so then... He would look at that and say, let's put sewer to the sites. Why can't we put sewer to the sites? Let's put a septic tank in. Let's do all these things. So Niall was a pioneer for infrastructure. Let's put good roads in place. Let's put roads that make sense. Let's put tarred roads in. Let's not just make, you know, nobody likes to ride a bike on a gravel road. Kids like to ride their little skateboards and scooters on tarred roads. Let's do that, you know. So Niall was a pioneer for infrastructure, which is not always the most glorified thing, but also a big part of why we are where we are. It's amazing. It's amazing that you have these different pieces, mm-hmm. you know, but that's what successful businesses, especially legacy, I call it a legacy business, right. a family legacy business do, right? Mm-hmm. You have the inspiration, you have the dreamers, you have the idea people, not that Niall didn't, not that you don't, but Dell had... You know, it sounds like he was the ultimate dreamer, right? You know, the ultimate idea guy. He's going to throw stuff out there. Right. Maybe not all of it's going to stick, but a lot of it's going to stick, or he's going to make it stick somehow, some way. But then you get people like Niall who come in with a little bit more of the 
technical background to say, okay, that's cool, but let's pivot that a little bit. Let's make that work. Let's make this work, Um, which is neat. And that's what businesses need. You know, even in our business at Jay Long's, I wear certain hats that some of the other partners don't wear, and that's okay. And finally, after this many years, we've learned who should have certain hats on. And that's that's the the delegation process that is not always sexy, fun, or interesting, but it's necessary. Right. What hats do you wear? <laughs> <laughs> Throwing it at yeah. you, Grant. What, what's, what's, what, Grant's, you, what, what do you bring to the business, Grant, that you would say? I would say Grant brings... Grant... I love this. Yeah, that's, that's a good... Yeah, that's a good... <laughs> Grant brings the inspiration. The Grant brings a little bit of Dell back into the picture. I'm the guy that's like, hey, picture this. We could do this, and it would look like this, and the people would do this. Man, how much would people love it? And then I can get people on board, my our colleagues, to say, like, tell me if I spell this out in such a way, and it looks like this, and they do that, tell me that this wouldn't be the coolest thing ever. Like, yeah, that would be the coolest thing ever. It's like, okay, I got you. Okay, then you tell me. You don't think that this, under these circumstances, tell me that this wouldn't be the coolest thing ever. And they're like, That'd be the coolest thing ever. So then Grant takes that to the table and says, like, hey, you guys can't tell me that this wouldn't be the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be the coolest thing. Then why are we doing this? You know, right. so then, so I'm definitely. Do you do that with or without a gun? <laughs> <laughs> Just asking. With or for he now. He always gets his way. Yeah, if I don't get my way, then watch out. <laughs> He's got this gun under the, underneath the conference table. Hey, you think that's the coolest thing ever, don't you? Right, right. Just no, but them. yeah, it's totally. So that's, I'm definitely a little bit on the dreamer side of sure. it. I definitely bring the, um, I went to school in Mankato, got a um, information technology degree, definitely bring a tech side to the campground, which many may argue like has been the worst thing ever because, oh my gosh, we got to learn all this technology. You're bringing all these systems. Oh my Until gosh. Until you learn it. Until you learn it and it makes your life easier. So a lot of the old timer staff will look at me and be like, oh, not another computer system, you know, like, but once they learn it, they, they, but that's right. been my drive. You know, we have up until this day and age, we haven't had a mobile app, you know, like these, these things that our world nowadays needs, if you're going to lead the industry and you're going to set the example and you're going to push things out there, like you, technology is a part of what we do. And I'm kind of the innovator in that sense. You got to have that. You right. got to have efficiencies. People are sitting on their phones around bonfires mm-hmm. in uh, you know the early summer, or just sitting around maybe their fire in their house in uh, you know January, February, March, just wishing, waiting for that nice weather so they can book their campground stuff. Right. Well, if they're smart, they probably book it the fall before. <laughs> But they're looking on their phones, right? And so they want to be able to pull that thing up and, and find Camp Dells or other campgrounds they want to go sure. to and make it simple, easy, and efficient. Right. So you're saying you instill the program there to kind of make that work? Yeah, innovate into like the, um, before I was there, we didn't do online reservations. We, we, we like to argue that we've been in, you know, in business since 55. Like we have some of the best systems that can be in place because we just have experienced it and taken such diligent care to work through it, but digitizing that is a whole nother animal. But when I came back, I came back in 2017 after I went to, went to school, came back to the campground full time in 2017. And that was my main mission is I'm bringing technology into this place at a high level. 
and everybody's been very responsive to it right. and very open to the idea and know that this is what we need to do and it's gone really well. Did you add, uh, was there already um, Wi-Fi at that time? So bring interesting up an conversation for a campground. That's double interesting conversation. So Wi-Fi at the campground, we did have internet. So a <laughs> couple of stories. I went to school, information technology, took a class on networking, hated it. Absolutely hated it. Honestly, just... I didn't, I'm not going to say cheat, but I found my way through the class. Now I go to the campground. First thing that I need to do, networking. Oh, I'm just like, why did I cheat through that class? Like, why did I do that? Now we've actually gone through, we had a community Wi-Fi type of system on the campground. When I first came back, maybe it was okay, right? Like we do have like fiber actually that runs through the campground to our main hubs, our houses. So a lot of us are, we live on the place. I don't actually, but... Many people live on the place, and so we have fiber optic that runs to the place that serves our hubs for the most part. Wi-Fi on the campground, average. Over the years now, back in 2017, imagine how many devices were connected versus 2023, right? Like Hugely different. Hugely different. Our project this fall, we're putting fiber optics to every single site, so my fingernails have a little dirt in them, pardon me. But it's because we're literally putting, that's what we're doing right now. This fall is our our fall and spring project is we're doing some boring. We're putting fiber to every single site that we can provide a Wi-Fi type of uh, place. It's interesting because, you know, and obviously I'm I'm an embracer of technology, right? Who isn't? I'm 37 years old. I absolutely believe in it and what it can provide. But I also, when I go camping which is a handful of times. I think we got out, my family and I, my wife and I, and our two kiddos, two toddlers got out twice this year to a couple different locations. I think one was in in Zumbro. Sure. We did Bluff Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did uh, Austin's Adventure yep. Bound. Most definitely. Maybe. Yeah. The Yogi Bear area right down there. We're going to do, we're going to do Camp yeah, Del come soon. on out, man. I'd love yeah. to. I'd love to. But I also like get to the point where, you know, you go somewhere. It's kind of like when I go to the Boundary Waters, I'm like, take this thing and I just want to chuck it. Right. Um, because you just want to fall off the map, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's a conversation with your leadership team about also, do we want to provide all the section right. technology or we do, do we want to sell the features that the campground has? So people aren't just sitting on their smartphones sure. and their TVs and their tablets instead. I mean, from my research grant, so I'm just I'm kind of pivoting a little bit too. So talk to me about that technology conversation. But also, after that, I want to I want to talk about the amenities you guys have from starting in 1972. Your grandpa Dell wanted to do the pool mm-hmm. to all the shit you guys have <laughs> now. Which I was reading during my little research. I was reading it all, and I'm like, holy crap, this place is amazing. Right. So technology wise, definitely a good conversation. You know, and we talk about it, and we get the feedback. You know, we're we're big. If you do some Google searching, you will find that like the reviews, as you know, as a business owner, like those are everything, not only just because of like they like offer for your business, but also of the feedback that they give, right? Like that's, Which that's you guys our, have a lot of good ones. Yeah, I appreciate Over it. A thousand <laughs> yeah, my brother Cole does a fantastic job at the taking care of the reviews. Averaging 4.8 or yeah. something over a thousand And reviews. does a great job. But it's a big thing, not only for us just to get good reviews because it helps, you know, sell the business, but also because it gives you valuable feedback. Honestly, 100%. if you get, if you take your reviews super seriously, at least in our experience, like 
when you get a bad one in, like we look at those super diligently. Like we want to know like, well, why, what happened? What's the experience? Why did that go astray? You know? So that's definitely something we do, but when it comes to technology, we, we evaluate that at a high level. We are an outdoor experience. The thing that's held us to bring a little bit more technology is the way that we offer things also. So we have like trams on the place. We have multiple trams. We're a big place built on like 80 acres, right? It's a lot of travel. We don't allow golf carts. The reason being is we're built on safety. It's just facts, you know, like everything about everything we do seriously from the ground up when we get in our big leadership groups and we talk, the number one thing is safety. If, if it doesn't trump safety or if it adds a risk of safety, we're probably not going to do it, just period. We keep it safe. We want the families to come and feel like I can let my seven-year-old just ride their bike, and I feel good about that, and that's the response that we get, and we won't, we're not willing to falter from that. So safety's always been number one. But when we go into some of these things, we have this mobile app that's been super helpful for just, again, the day and age and what we offer, all the different amenities, the different things you can do on the mobile app, the technology aspect of things. But we struggle because a lot of people come down to our place and they can't connect. So we want to push this technology aspect of it, but they can't connect. So, And we have these trams driving around. We have trackers on them. Super convenient. For, oh, I wonder how long they're going to be until they're here. You can just jump on, look, see where they're at, right? So... But then people give us this feedback that, like, well, we can't connect. Your Wi-Fi is terrible. We, what are we supposed to do? You you offer these services, but we can't connect. So that's really what's pushed us down this path. The other thing is we have 530 sites on the place. 330 of them are seasonals. So seasonals get to come in. They get to set up a camper. Their season goes from May 1st to October 1st. They get to pull in. They get to build a deck. They get to make it home. Right? Like that's, that's their home. They literally get to call that place for the summer their home. But a lot of people in today's day and age work from home. So they want to be able to come down and call this home. And we want them to call it home. We want them to be here. They want, want their kids and their family to be here. We want them to come visit them. But when we don't offer this high-quality service, they can't do that. So we see them leaving you know, or trying to find something else. The thing for us that's pushed it to this level, we don't think anybody else offers this at this high level, like, you know, internet inside your camper kind of deal. So we want to be the people that say, hey, we, we can offer you, you can make this your cabin. You could, this could be your home for the summer. So that's this borderline conversation of technology and internet and stuff that's pushed us to say, I think it's worth it keeping the amenities available. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. When you break it down like that, it completely right. makes sense. Uh, two question. How two questions? How big is your leadership team? I know it's a lot of family, right? Um, but how big is your kind of board or leadership sure. team that makes these decisions? So we have now. We actually just took on a, a, our newest member. Um, super excited about this young kid. He's got, he's got a lot of potential. He's been with us since he was twelve years old. Wow. He's been over here like ten years. He started with a little kid feeding animals. Worked his way through up the ranks. So we just offered him a job this summer. He took it. Very excited about him. But so now we're up to about 10, 10 and 10, 10 people on our leadership team. Of the 10, it's me, two of my brothers, my dad, my uncle, my aunt. We have a hired guy, outside maintenance guy. He's been with us. I think he's, I don't even know how old Dave is. 
he'd probably shun at me. Yeah, he's so, I want to say he's like 45. <laughs> he's been working with us since he's like 11 years old. Okay. So it's just, just again, just family idea. Just loves the vision. Yeah, just all a part there. of it. So we got about 10 people. Okay. So when we get in a group and everybody's, yeah, we just have, honestly, the leadership group is great. They believe in the core, what's important, what we're trying to accomplish. It's it's honestly a pretty incredible group. Pretty productive. Very productive. When you get in there. Well, meetings can get a little astray, if you believe that. <laughs> I can believe it. <laughs> Ten minds that all, like, are really passionate about things. It's kind of, again, when you talk about my role in the business, when we get into a meeting situation, Grant leads the meetings, and sometimes you got to be kind of a little bit of a bully in the meetings. Hey, we're done with that conversation. We're moving on to this. We're moving. It's my job to keep the meetings going. But the response has been really good since I come back and good. push the meetings. And that's right. I'll handle that. <laughs> good, actually. I think he likes it. He likes. Uh, He's trained you to do what you're doing, right? Yeah, he right. Wanted- hardworking, Definitely smart, wanted it. reliable children. For sure. And now he's got somebody who's leading these meetings. He kind of sits back, time. doesn't say much. When he's got an opinion, he's like, <laughs> actually, I have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be this way. No. <laughs> I'm the dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go to your room, <laughs> and you're getting no more roast beef for dinner. <laughs> yeah, but that's family business, too. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's all part of it. I'll, my second question that I said I had to was seasonals. Mm-hmm. Um, how much does the seasonal, first of all, do you have openings for seasonals and what does the seasonal cost, um, at Camp Dells? So seasonals over the past couple of years have really shot up in demand. Sure. We have no seasonals available. We have 330 sites and we have well over 220 people on a waiting list. Damn. It's very busy. Was this all during COVID that that really spiked? Just COVID, like prior to it, we just, yeah, kind of, it's just been a developing thing over the past few years. So go back like four or five years. I would say seasonal waiting list, 25. We'd have 25 on the waiting list throughout the summer. We would always be full, you know, throughout the year. We would get, we'd be full. We'd get to the end of the season. We'd maybe have 25 on a waiting list. We'd, you know, post renewal stuff. Maybe we'd get, you know, 30 to 40 people that wouldn't renew. Then we'd have, you know, 15 open spots come like May of the, the following season. We'd be still advertising seasonal sites. You know, we would always fill by June 1st of the year, which always was kind of our goal. And then maybe COVID contributed to it. Maybe not. Maybe just the place and what we offer has kind of exploited a little bit more. It's become more known. People now know what we are. Um, but yeah, since the past like three or four years, it's just been you know, 50 waiting lists. And then we put some stuff out about renewal and we'd only get like 10 people that say they're not coming back. And it's like, okay, well that doesn't clear the waiting list, you know? And then the next year it's just stacks and stacks and stacks. And now we're at such a high number. It's kind of, <laughs> it's not a problem, but it's, it's a good problem to have that yeah. you have so much demand that you can't 100%. satisfy it. But yeah, it's been a good thing. We also do, which has really elevated. We always talk about at the business that we stumble upon things. Honestly, that's what we say. We try a lot of stuff. And when it works, then we just focus on it and say, like, people like this. Let's focus on it. So one thing that we've done is our weekend entertainment. So we used to, you know, we used to do, like, karaoke, just low level, super low level, a couple, like, weak machines, karaoke. Yeah, it's fun. It's camping, right? It was a good time. 
And over the past probably like five years, my aunt has done a phenomenal job. Her name is Erin. She has just taken hold of this. Great name. Yeah. 100% great Spelled with an E, though. Well, she'll learn. Yeah. Just like she's absolutely taken hold of this and just super focused on it. Laser beam, like I'm getting good people at affordable prices. And we started doing this a couple of years ago. And it's like on the weekends, we would host these things, these events, these, these music things like people would come and play and they were pretty low level at the time but all of a sudden people just started being attracted to them so we're like wow this is a big thing we started elevating it let's get bigger in bands let's get bigger names and now it's like we have big names I mean, we're not getting any like luke bryans or anything like that but we get some of the like around the area some pretty big names and people just it's it's the hit on the on a weekend that we have live music and it's not just, it's not just live music. It's like really good live music. So it's amazing. Yeah. Do you have a stage for that? Then? We do. We actually, well, kind of, we have, it's, it's part of our process again because we've stumbled upon it. It wasn't something like, Hey, let's build this stage and then let's get these bands. Sure. It was like, Hey, we got some entertainment. We used to just like throw them on this little, we actually, it's a trailer. I swear it's a big long trailer that we would just push on the court and the people would be like, Hey, go ahead and play on that trailer you know and then everybody would hang out in basketball court well now it's become so big we're making plans to say hey we need we need like a theater type of deal here this is a thing people really like this we need to put an event center type of place together so that we can host these in a good high level place that's amazing yeah so what's the vision you know maybe i'm jumping a little bit forward here i might be but since we're on the topic what's the vision for camp dells um Let's just say a decade from now, if you if you had to, you had to think about it. You know, we're talking about live music in this, you know, this theater, this band shell, or whatever you want to say. But just in general, what do you see, Camp Dells in ten years? Sure, you'll be forty. Great year, you'll be forty years old. Your right. daughter will be Jeez. ten, <laughs> almost ten. It's crazy. Um, it is a really good question, and. Up until like when I came back, I've been a little bit bigger on like pushing a roadmap is what I call it because there's so many good ideas out there and it's hard to say, especially when we get our group of 10 people together and it's like, hey, tell me a good idea. So many of them. And then there's also like, sometimes it gets to be a little bit of frustration because like we never do anything about this, you know? So over the past like year and a half, we've really put together a little bit more of a roadmap to say, let's lay out all these good ideas and really start to prioritize them and then get everybody involved. Because I think that also like your staff can buy into that then when, as opposed to saying like, well, that was my idea. And you keep pushing that down the line when you bring them in and we all talk about them and they can see it and they're like, yeah, you're right. Like, that's not as important as that is. So yeah, go ahead and put that down the list. It helps them buy into the big picture 100%. too. Yeah. So that's been very helpful. So the vision for Camp Dells, it's hard to say. My vision for the campground is honestly just to continue to innovate in a safe environment that families are going to come together, bond, make memories, rejuvenate themselves, bring good home life together Whatever that entails, we will do. So it's hard to say exactly what that is other than that's going to be the core focus. That's a good answer. Yeah. That's good. I like it. So let's let's step back a little bit. Um, you know, right now, we're, for those of you who don't know, we're in uh, 2023. 
but a pretty significant event happened um, in 2018. Or I'm sorry, uh, was 2018? Yeah, 2018. 2018. Yeah, the big storm, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, oh we my also gosh, had I forgot about that. Yeah, well, we got to talk about trials and tribulations <laughs> sometimes here, Grant. That is part of the Get Deep podcast, mm-hmm. right? So there was an a uh, article. Which, by the way, if you guys don't know, my good friend and podcast co-host up here at OMG, um, OMG bought Connect Magazine um, a, just you know a year, year and a half ago, somewhere in there. Wes would know the exact date, but there is an article from August 2019, July slash August 2019, called Surviving the Storm. Uh, and it has Grant's picture in there. Uh, next to a sweet, sweet water slide. Looks like that's maybe the pool, the original pool that Dell had, ins- you know, his inspiration for. Am I am I right on that? You're not right, but that's okay. Am I not right? What no. is that? So that <laughs> way back. <laughs> so there's there's three pools. There's the original pool in '72. There's a new water park that was built in 2000, and mm. this complex that you see here was built in 2016. Just keep growing. I love it. <laughs> so surviving the storm. Let's let's talk about that. Um, September 20th, 2018. Can you bring us back to that? Oh. Talk about the story, if you, if you will. And, what and a story. We'll talk about that, and then eventually we'll, we will move on to how you guys overcame that and, sure. and moved on from something like that because obviously that could have been um, in some instances with some family businesses and some uh, places possibly the end of this, this, this vision right. that we started. Right. Yeah, the storm honestly was – I mean, storms are always – in the business we're in, a concern, right? Because safety is number one. It always is number one. So when you think about storms and you think about camping, we have these fragile campers that people bring in. They're made of tin and one-bys. Like, nobody builds these things like houses. So they're very fragile. They're very skinny. They're very light. Or we camp in tents. So when you think about storms in general on the camping business, it's a pretty big concern of ours it always has been so when you get into storm environment we're always pretty precautious we're always looking ahead seeing what's going on can i pause you for yes. one second don't lose your place there but i am curious what kind of insurance do you need to have when you have a campground like what you have now <laughs> with all these lives camping there i just it was yeah. on my notes and i don't yeah. want to forget to ask because i think it would be very interesting a super complicated one super complicated. it's very complicated it's hard to find okay not a lot of people insure us we have to search and try to find people that understand our business and then also look at who we are that's a thing that we usually try to lean on a little bit look at our records look at who we are look at our safety look how seriously we take it but it's definitely complicated and difficult to find sure yes Okay. Yeah. Continue. So when it comes to storms, it's high priority for us to always be proactive. We're always, it's part of the procedures in the morning. You kind of look at the weather. You need to know what's going on. So, but September 18th, right? So we close our Labor Day weekend. Pools close, not a big deal. You know, usually we open one more weekend after that, that last week, and we open the pools just for a kind of last hoorah for the seasonals and whatnot. So then that following Sunday, everything closes. There's nothing open. So we go through that week, no big deal. That 18th fell on, a, I don't remember, Thursday, maybe, Friday. But at that time, when you talk about the head count of how many people are actually out there, it has to be minimal. 
I mean, you could probably count 50 people maybe out there at that time. Keep talking. I'm going to turn that camera back Sure. On. So 50 people at that time might be out there at best. So weather comes in. We kind of see a storm coming. We always see storms coming. We watch them. You know, we always pray and hope that no severe stuff comes out of them. We kind of had a little bit of a heads up that, hey, there's potential for severe weather here. So as the storms start coming across, I was actually at home at the time. And my wife and I were at home. The sirens go off. It's a little bit alarming. It's one of those things that it's like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? We get in the basement. But the sirens go off, you know, and storms, they go off, right? Like you just get to cover. We, get, we go in the basement. I can just picture it. Some, you know, the winds are rolling, boom, boom, boom. I come back upstairs. I can see out my front yard, big trees, like right across my, big trees falling over. I'm like, oh, my gosh, these are huge. And I'm a little concerned. I'm kind of looking around, and I call my dad. I'm just like, hey, how are you guys doing? He's like, Grant, this is really bad. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's like, no, this is really, really bad. I can hear the panic in his voice. And I can hear him like he's he's doing something. He's like running. Like he's like, he's not. And he's like, then all of a sudden I hear him banging on stuff. And he's like, hey, is anybody in here? Like he's banging on campers that have rolled. He's concerned about people's safety. So he's out and about banging on campers that have rolled on the grounds, worried about people's lives. So he's like, he's, I could just hear him like, don't do anything. Grant is so bad. This is so bad. Like, oh, my God. And then he just hangs up the phone. I call my mom right away. She's like, Grant, it's like, she's like crying on the phone. It's so bad. This is so bad. I'm at home. So I live in town. All my rest of my family lives on the place. I live in town. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I got to get out there. Like, I have to get out there. Like, what is going on? I look outside. Like, I'm going to get my truck. And there are trees just covered on the road. You, you can't go anywhere. Like, you absolutely cannot go anywhere. So I kind of, like, my wife and I get in the truck. We start kind of off-roading, trying to, like, drive through the town of Waterville, trying to find our way there. We get to the lake road, and I'm saying, like, on the lake road, just tree, tree, tree. You could not get through the trees. And it was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is, like, really bad. Like, this is something that's not normal. Like, we're very concerned. So I remember going back home, settling down, just like, hey, let's just stay safe. I call my parents, stay safe. Like, we'll convene tomorrow. I remember getting a text from my dad that night, like, this is really bad. Like, we need to address this right away. The next day, we meet. I remember jumping over trees to get to the place, trying to find my, you know, get back to my parents. We have this meeting. Hey, we have to get after this right away. Nobody got hurt. Unbelievable unbelievable if you do this in the dead of the summer yeah this is a absolute catastrophe yeah that's that's what i my mind goes to right away which i'm sure a lot of people would and and i uh i'm a christian man but holy shit i mean the fact that that happened on september 20th Mm. right it's it's after kind of the peak so true there's really so nobody Nobody in that campground got injured at all, but it would have been just two weeks earlier. I mean, for example, catastrophe would have been just a terrible situation. Seriously, absolute catastrophe. Praise praise God for that. Seriously, the Lord right there, man. Campers are rolled. Like, I mean, we're talking throwing hundreds of yards. Campers like crushed like cans. It's just 
we just were so lucky. So as we looked at that, it was just, again, so grateful that we were able to be where we were and not a soul was hurt because that changes everything. You know, just, just being there and seeing that kind of changes somebody. But when we reconvened, we talked as a group. It's just crazy now to think about it. It's like there was just never a, there was never a skip in the beat of what we're going to do. You know, we're just. What happened next? We just started cleaning up. Honestly, what do you do? You know, like that's what you do, right? You just react. Yeah, you, you, you just grind. You yeah, move. And we had a probably an hour conversation about everything that's going on, and then again, we brought up safety. We're using this heavy equipment. We're using these chainsaws. Trees are going to be struck in there. Be careful about how they're going to fling out. Like you got to be, you know, thinking ten steps ahead. And then we just broke the meeting and just that was it. We just work. went to work, and it was amazing. Honestly, when you think back, it's kind of it is really humbling to think about all the people. I mean, we had so, we had so many people that that was a I think probably. It's for sure in my lifetime, I want to say in the history of the campground, the most humbling experience for all of us. I mean, people from the town that we didn't even know, they were showing up at chainsaws. They are just like, we're just here to help. Like, we're just, we're here to help. Like, you know, our seasonal guests, that they were just, they, would sh- they showed up, chainsaws. They're like, hey, we're just here to help. Tell us what to do. And I mean, the outpour of support for us on our side in the sense of, we were always trying to provide something for people all the time, for all these families and all these things. And in that moment, that six-month moment, people were bringing us food for our crews to eat lunch. They were showing up to help. They were offering equipment. They just It was just it was so humbling for all of us, I think, to say, like, oh, my gosh, like, this is, this is really special. Like, this, this whole experience is really special. I think that set us in a direction of not that we always thought like, okay, we can do this. So like we knew what we were doing, but when we hit that moment, seeing all these people come together for us was just like, just, yeah. Hit you in the heart. It's amazing. Mm. It really is what, what happens with humans when they need to step up, you know? Sure. And, uh, you can see, I could see it in your eyes when you yeah. were talking about that, like the emotion, you know? And, uh, no, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm so happy that, that people showed up for you guys and and that believed in not not just Camp Dells but the town the area and showed up for each other because really at the end of the day no matter what our political differences are or whatever we believe it doesn't matter humans are humans we we should show up for each other and we should we should give back when we can and I think that's such a beautiful thing and um how long did it take to get that campground cleaned up? Because from with my little research, you guys lost like 400 trees, right. approximately 400 plus yeah. trees. And we're talking trees that have been growing for a really, really long time. Right. Yeah. It was the campgrounds um, landscape has changed because of the storm. You know, we had areas of just monster trees, those kinds of things you know, broadcasting so much shade and those trees. And we said it was, it was, our lives have gotten easier on the raking side of it since the thing, there's no leaves anymore to sure. rake. Right. But sure. it took us, I mean, from September 18th, we didn't stop chipping until, and we chipped all the trees until probably May 1st. I mean, it took an incredible amount of time. And again, just at high level, everybody buying in to this is what we're going to do until we can't do it anymore. Snowfall, rain, it doesn't matter. We're going to get it done. 
people from the community coming to help. Just that opening day for me, and I don't know about everybody else, but it was probably one of the most special days. Being able to say, because I think everybody had to sacrifice so much to get to that day. Everybody at home, your wives, your kids, you know, everything. Everybody put it on the line to make damn sure that we were going to open that Memorial Day weekend. Everything is going to be open. And we did it. And, like, I just, I remember I posted a video after Memorial Day weekend. I do a lot of the social media. Actually, I've worked with somebody now, but I used to do a lot of it myself. And I remember putting the video together and, like, watching it myself before I posted, just so emotional about it. Like, just tears are rolling down my cheeks. I'm just like, what am I, like, what's wrong with me? Like, I just, and then I showed it to my mom, and I'm like, what do you think? She started crying. I was just like, oh, so much emotion with this opening day. Like, it was such a big deal for everybody to come together and get it done, but special. If you had to guess, how many people would you say approximately showed up and helped oh. throughout that process? Total you know, as far as like regulars, maybe people that were already employed right on the payroll, but as far as other people that showed up oh, for the community. We started, I don't even have the numbers in front of me, but we did start because we wanted to thank them. At the time, we were just like, there's so many people giving that we, we again, being the people we are, we're just, we have to be able to thank them at least. Like, we just can't accept with the, just like an open-ended thing. Like, so... We started to try to accumulate names of things, but it was so difficult because, again, which is the faith in humanity. People didn't, they would give anonymously. Yeah. I don't want it, you know, and it was like, oh, again, such a humbling, such a humbling thing to be able to receive, honestly, just to right. be able to take in a moment of need is really special. But hundreds, I don't know, 400, 500, I couldn't even tell you an exact number, but that this might not even be accurate. So you guys came back from that shitty ass <laughs> time period, right? You you opened uh, Labor Day, Memorial Day, Memorial Day. Why do I get those two mixed <laughs> up know. so damn much? <laughs> I'm terrible. Uh, Memorial Day of 2019, you came back and in, in a very special uh, special time, and and for just with how much massive amount of work that went into that. Tell us the amenities and the things that. Camp Dells has today. I want I want you to kind of brag sure. about what you guys have from, I mean, think about this, 1955. <laughs> I had to do it at one point. Um, can you do it better? Not better than <laughs> Okay, all right, all right. So 1955 to, you know, 2023, what is everything that you guys offer now for families and sure. in, in groups? The pool is definitely not our hot spot. It's where the people come. You know, we have... We have three pool complexes specifically designed to some degree. We have our swimming and diving pool. It kind of accommodates a certain age range. You know, the kids on the diving board, you know, the probably the, the teens of the, you know, the people they want to do flips off the diving board. They want to, you know, show off to the chicks, do the things that they yes. can do. Yeah, right? Like on the diving boards. <laughs> and then we Flex have... their pants. Yes. <laughs> then we have um, like more of an interactive, zero-depth swimming pool. So it goes from like zero down to 18 inches deep. It's great for parents. They pull up their chairs. They wade in the water. The kids run around. They can, you know, any age, they can kind of move around. They can go in there. There's a couple slides. It's just more of like a probably seven and under. So it's a great accommodation for that young kind of interactive kid range. And then we have our newest addition, which we call Chaos Cove. 
in 2016, chaos with a K to a double K. You had to. But uh, we put that in in 2016, and that was, again, a little bit of a grab at a wide variety because there is a zero-depth entry with, like, a smaller little kid slide, a dumping bucket, but then also, like, some monster slides. We have a rock wall that goes over the wall. or The water super cool, big, it's 32, 23 feet tall. So you get to the top, wow. it's way up there. It's really cool, honestly. Do you climb it? I do. Once a year, usually. Yeah, once a year. Sore after I'm done, yeah. <laughs> once a year. It's cool. It curves right over the water. So as you start to get to the top, it's pretty complicated. It's it's fun. It's honestly, it's a great time. So we have that, and then we have some basketball hoops and volleyball. So the pool is it's the hub. It's why people come, honestly. And then amenities on the place. We offer lake equipment, like free rentals kayaks canoes we have those big bikes have you ever seen the three-wheel yeah. bikes that you can ride the three-wheel bikes we have a pedal pontoon it's a big pontoon you put like six seven people on it. it's a little paddle boat but it's a pontoon it's really cool so those kinds of things are a hit we have a big arcade we started with the arcade thinking like we didn't really know what this was going to be it turned out to be an awesome things so we've invested heavily in our arcade some pretty state-of-the-art games and they're a mini bowling alley which is really cool the bowling alley on strings we put in a batting cage, automated batting cage last year. So this is pretty sweet too. You go in there, you can pitch like five different pitches, pitches up to 70 miles an hour. It's all yeah. automated. goes back to a pit, pitches the balls out. Really fun. Um, we have a catch and release fishing pond that we stock with fish. Obviously, all these things that I'm telling you are Only pretty bullhead, much. Only bullhead, though. <laughs> <laughs> there are bullhead in there. Bullhead. Actually, it's been a complaint. People are like, oh, all there is bullhead in here. But <laughs> that we stock it with, like, uh, bluegill and, you know, bass and stuff like that. But the, the fishing on the Catch and Relief Fishing Pond, we have a ton of sports courts, basketball, shuffleboard, you know, softball fields. Gaga ball is a big hit for the kids. So all those things are there. Gaga balls? Gaga ball is a Gaga hit. ball. What's Gaga you ball? You should look it up. I, I've never played it. It's a little thing. It's probably like an, I think it's an octagon, maybe a, yeah, I think it's an octagon. Okay. And the kids go in there and they have like 50 kids in this thing. And if the ball bounces and they hit it and they hit a kid, that kid is out. So, like, you just can't get hit by the ball. But it's funny because these kids just swarm this thing. And the machine spits the ball out. No, wherever. no machine. It's just oh, all people they, just... they have a little, like, kickball. They throw it in there to start. And then it bounces, and then somebody hits it. And so you're just so in it, a small cage, yeah, essentially. basically. So it's like dodgeball, but in a confined space. Right. Got, and what's Amazing. Called, Gaga it's ball? called Gaga Ball. We put it in because, like, the kids, our staff was like, you got to put this in. You got to put this in. I'll put this in. I mean, you should see on a weekend, there's hundreds of kids swarmed around this thing. It's like, watching oh, people play. my gosh, we That's need hilarious. five of these. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. So playgrounds are big, too. So we don't go soft on playgrounds. You know, playgrounds are a big thing. So we invest heavily. We have three double-decker monster playgrounds for the right. people to fish on or like to hang out on. We have probably like six or seven docks for them to fish off of. We have the trams that drive them around. And then, honestly, the biggest amenity for us if you want to call it that is our staff like that is what brings people back is our people yeah how many people you got on on your staff i think we employ i think we have like i said 10 full-time we probably have close to 100 part-time people wow yeah during that that peak season during that time peak period. season right that's phenomenal yeah that's really cool what do you think the um the most rewarding part well, let's let's start. Well, let's start with what's the most challenging part to running a campground. Challenging part, 
just, especially at the scale, is just leading the industry in some degree. Not that we do it all or we're the first to everything, but when you want to model things after people sometimes, oh, I wonder what other people are doing, or I wonder what, you know, at this scale, they're, they're out there. There are big campgrounds out there, but campgrounds are interesting too because if you think about campgrounds, a lot of times they're mom and pops. That's the start of them, right? Like, oh, I got a big farm. Like, let's put some things in, and that's what starts these campgrounds, right? But, like, to take it as far to third generation, and they're out there. There definitely are. There's a couple even in our area that we, you know, admire just for their, you know, their hard work and what they put in. But getting to a third generation of the campground, a lot of it has been bought up, and then it's like a lot of them are on lakes, and then people buy them and develop them into something different than a campground because campgrounds are a lot of work. Right. They take a lot of time and effort. If you could develop something, sell off lots, pretty soon the campground diminishes. And you'll see that a lot of a lot of times nowadays, as opposed to like renting seasonal sites, you just sell them off in lots. And then that's the end of it, right? But so I think the challenging part for us is just the leading the industry. Like who do you model things after? It's it's kind of hard to find. We travel every year, myself and and uh, some of the partners and leadership team at Jay Long's, and we'll go up to Minneapolis, but we'll also take advantage when we travel other places to check out other stores. We call them lifestyle shops, yeah. right? Because we're not just men's anymore. We have women's clothing and you know candles and gifts and chocolate and coffee and all these things, which is cool. But we we also are always researching, right? Mm. Do you feel like you guys are in that mode of researching? It sounds like you are. Do you travel outside of the borders of Minnesota to also check out other campgrounds and how people are doing it? Or do you just kind of check out websites here and there and things like that? How do you continue to evolve? It's a great question, honestly. Yes, to a degree. And we're trying to get better at that portion of it. Because we get so busy in the summertime running our place that it's always hard to say, like, okay, you leave to go do research and development. Right. But it's also very important. So, yes, we do. Not as much as we'd like to. We usually do it in the off-season. We're very critical when we go travel. It's like, oh, how are they doing this? What's their main interests look like? When you check in, what's the flow like? But how it's the off-season, too, right. so that's also challenging is what you're it saying. It is, yeah. right, you know. But it's hard to find, too, in our area. Actually, my brother just traveled to South Dakota. He went to Mount Rushmore. He went to the KOA at the base of Mount Rushmore. Yeah, been there. Yeah, and he was taking a ton of pictures he came back we had a little powwow hey i love their main entrance i love this i love that so we definitely do we don't have like a research and development kind of like area per se we just yeah it's something we're definitely talked about doing more and more of it's like hey maybe we should send some people out yeah and then like the duty is to write a report and come back and give us some feedback on some things but interested yeah you want to do it? Yeah. I mean, uh, I got two toddlers, so life is a little busier than it's ever been. But, but I think I could, I think I could talk my wife, Molly into, if you want us to go, love it. All I'm asking for (laughs) is you send us with a couple cases of bush latte, (laughs) just give me the bush lights and I'll write your report. (laughs) Maybe I'd even do a live podcast from these campgrounds and be like, Hey, I'll talk a little quieter and do a little research for uh, camp (laughs) Dells. Talk to uh, people around bonfires. It'd be and great. Shit. Yeah. It'd be great. It would be, honestly. Get some feedback. Like, yeah, Hell yeah. For sure. So, we talked about challenges. Now, I want to talk, talk to you about the most rewarding part, you know, and I think that's kind of where I was going with that. But, uh, biggest challenge, like you said, um, is trying to keep up with, mm-hmm. you know, the changes. But 
um, most rewarding part of being a part of a campground. Yeah. I would, what really drives you to continue this, this mission. Right. Even I would put it, um, I would tie it together a little bit too, to say most rewarding to be a part of a campground. And then also like the family business, because that's where they really get me is when you get these people that have been staying with us for three generations, that's special. And they will come and they'll tell stories and they'll seek you out. You know, they'll come in. It's, I just want to let you know, because they know who we are too. Cause they've seen me since I was raising hell at this age, you know, <laughs> like I, I was making, you know, they've seen me and they'll come in and they'll seek us out and, or, and they'll just tell us like, Hey, I've been coming here for 22 years. Love this place. It's my home. And it's like that alone strikes me. It's like, oh, I love that you feel that way. Or the people that come for the first time and they're like, hey, I just want to let you know, never been here before, never heard of this place. This is unbelievable. Like, I cannot believe what this place is. The way your staff treats me, your amenities, how clean it is. Like, I don't know how I've never heard of this before. When I hear those things, it's just like, oh, that's why we do what we do. Yeah, yeah like it that's it. It makes it feel good. 100%. Keeps it going. Right? Yeah, it really does. When you're leaning your head down on your pillow at night, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're grinding yeah. for the, the whole season, and you get those positive comments. It does make all the difference right. to make sure that you're, you know, hey, we are doing something cool. We're doing right. something right. Not only that, but you've got a nine-month-old you yeah. know, daughter, right? So, like, I'm sure you have early days of running around that you remember mm-hmm. in the campground. We didn't talk about that yet, but do you have some early memories? Oh, for um, sure. Some pretty cool early memories. Yes. Maybe causing a ruckus, like you uh, said. <laughs> more than my, if my dad was here, he would tell a whole different story about me. <laughs> well, and you said you have two other brothers too. Three. Three, Three brothers, brothers. There's right. four of you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So if there was any snacks in the campground, for example, <laughs> or, you know, ice cream sandwiches in some freezer right. somewhere, they were gone. <laughs> Grants Soda, to blame. Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. No. Yeah. As kids running around the place, it's just, it's the best place to grow up. Sure. You know, I mean, you have so much going on all the time and we used to run around and honestly, the campground used to have a bunch of gophers, little gophers, little hole gophers. Oh, yeah, and we yeah. would run around and we'd dump water down there and chase these gophers down and oh, that was just, that was the epitome of every weekend we would do that. It was so Chasing much fun. Chasing the gophers. Chasing the gophers around, yeah. Grandpa would give us like 50 cents a gopher if we could catch them and kill them, you know. He That's would be hilarious. like, all right, give me 50 cents for every gopher. Yeah, because they're just chewing holes. Yeah, on, they would right? just make a mess out of the place. So he was always just like, if you can kill a gopher, so he'd come with the grandpa's couple of gophers. He'd give us a dollar fifty to go burn it on his arcade game, give it right back to him, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he knew it was coming <laughs> oh, back. Oh, he knew so it, just, yeah. <laughs> reinvestment, yeah. even with the kiddos. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. That's good stuff. Um, well, before I get into the final five questions mm-hmm. of the podcast tonight, Grant, I really appreciate your time, by the way. Uh, we call it the wind down. It's brought sure. to you by our good friends at Chankaska. But before we do that, um, I wanted to ask you marketing. You know, the last question mm-hmm. I had, right? You know, um, it sounds like you have a little bit of a passion for marketing, myself included. Sure. I also really appreciate marketing, and I record the radio commercials for Jay yeah. Long's, and I, I just think it's unique what motivates people to to move, to make decisions, to decide on a business, what makes them feel comfortable, all the things. Obviously, my good friend and podcast co-host Wes uh, has Auto Media Group. You know, it's he decided to get into this media industry because he wanted to help build up other businesses, and obviously, do it as a business himself too because he felt he had the value. How do you market a campground? Like, how does that, how does that work? 
um, when you're in those those team meetings of ten people or, or so. Obviously, you've got tech background and things too, and you're you're a young guy. But how do you market that? Because it is seasonal. And how do you figure out a way to sell people on the fact that they should come to your campground? Right. Definitely a challenge. I mean, as any marketing kind of thing is, it becomes a challenge. The seasonality is definitely one of the biggest challenges is because, especially in our industry, and everybody probably can relate from maybe about April 1st to maybe about September 1st, you're thinking about camping. After that, you just, it's off your mind. You know, you're just, you're not even thinking about it anymore. Who's thinking about camping, you know, November 15th? Like, nobody's thinking about camping. Like, that's a summertime thing, right? Right. So it is definitely a challenge in, you know, in our data harvesting that in what we see, it's just, it's amazing how it falls off. It's just, it's very difficult to strum the interest in people in the off season. We do recently have done a better job because we are so busy. We're able to kind of pull in some heartstrings in the aspect of like, get ahead, you know, plan your stuff, make sure your, your stay is open. A lot of times camping is kind of a weekend adventure. You know, we're going to go for a couple of days. Hey, let's go camping for two days. Let's go do this for a weekend. Camp Dells has become a little bit more of a vacation destination. You take time off of work to come to Camp Dells. You take take four days off or you know you take two days off of work and you come through a weekend or you take a couple days off to go through a weekend so that you can experience the whole thing because if you just come for two days i promise you won't hit everything you're gonna leave like we didn't even get everything done we didn't even get to see everything so it, we become more of a destination in that sense so the marketing aspect in the off season is just trying to help people plan ahead encouraging them to know that it's beneficial to them and then during the peak season it's kind of easy. It's it's just sharing what we do, honestly. Like sharing some of the events, the family memories that take place. A lot of times it's just capturing these. And sometimes there's no caption needed. You just share some of this stuff. And people are just, I want that. I want to remove myself standing behind a TV, sitting behind a screen, scrolling on my phone, doing those kinds of things. I see my kid out there dancing in front of a band or riding an aqua trike on the lake together or going down the slide for the first time or those kinds of events, just sharing that from a marketing side and talking about family has really been our ticket to success. Love it. Mm. And it's a great answer. Well, again, really appreciate your time, Grant. It's been awesome. Get deep podcast yeah. tonight. I'm going to get into the final five questions with you. Uh, we call the wind down brought to you by our, again, our good friends at Chankaska. Thank you so much for that partnership. Uh, the final five questions, you can answer them as quick uh, as you want, or you can you can give a long answer if you'd like. That's no problem at all. Uh, you're ready to react? Let's do it. All right, let's roll. Okay, question number one. Where does a guy who has grown up in a, you know, we'll call it a vacation business, you know, I'll call it a vacation business, quote unquote, but campground business, go on vacation himself, right? I know you got a little one at home, but. You guys have this your your job, your business, yeah. but you got to get away every once in a while. So where, where the hell does a guy go? We do a couple different when you things. Live in that world. Yeah, it's true. We uh, actually we're leaving end of September here. We go up north, way up north. We do the houseboats. Oh yeah, love Rainy Be Lake. Yeah, we go up in that area. Yeah, we start Rainy and then go to Cabotogama. Why we love it is because our phones don't work up there. We go up there, we absolutely disconnect. You can't do anything even if you want to. We only stay for a couple of days, but we should do it at the end of the season. It's 
honestly, we started doing this probably three or four years ago. It's just the best way to disconnect from a year. You know, you go through all this struggle of a summer, long days, long nights, long hours. You get to this point, even when we transition to the fall, we just have a lot of projects where go, 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 go. You never really shut the switch off. So we go on this little trip, we do that, and then we always go south, somewhere warm, sit on a beach for a week or so, just unwind completely, drink a few Coronas and chillax. I love it. Yeah. That's a great answer. Not only that, but I've I've seen those houseboats, the Rainy Lake houseboats, Mm -hmm. they look phenomenal. Never done it. Some of those boats have like the slides out there and shit. So So, cool. So you're telling me that I got Oh, it's worth it, man. I'm telling you, as a fam, you'd have so much fun up there. Yeah. It's a fishing. If you go, let me know. I got some spots to fish. I'd, I'd love to. I'll pick your brain <laughs> on it because it's something I really want to do. Yeah. I, I really do. Question number two, my friend, is tree. I've, used, I've asked this question before. I haven't asked it in a while. It is, if you could be any tree, which tree would you be and why? Mm. I would definitely be an oak tree. And the reason being is because them things, I feel like a lot of the other trees, a maple is beautiful, small but beautiful. Oak tree stands the test of time. If you see a tree and you're like, oh, I do not want to cut that down. It's an oak because it's big. It's been there a long time. They're stable. They're sturdy. It's got stories. Yeah, they do. They got history in them. Oak tree, hands down. Yeah, it's a good answer. The mighty oak. Uh, One of my favorite trees, side note, I really lately, because we just built a house where we're kind of like working out the landscape. We live in a park. So there's some natural trees, kind of, but we're... I, I really love red maples. Sure. I just think they're pretty yeah. as hell. I just, I just know you're getting, man. I know I'm getting old. We always laugh about this too. Start talking about trees. Oh, yeah. that tree is a, <laughs> that tree is a, and like it's someone's so like, true. yeah, you're talking about trees. <laughs> what are you talking about trees okay, for? Buddy? Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, if you know, you know, you know, I, yeah. Hey, they, <laughs> yeah. You start focusing on different things. You're forced to, it's just kind of how it goes. And I'm okay with it. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, question number three. Uh, dream, it's titled dream camper or cabin. Okay. You've seen a lot of people pull up in your seasonals and your campsites and things over the years. Uh, you've all obviously been other places too with, with cabins, but like, what's your dream for the future? Or is there a, is there a camper that somebody's pulled in? You're like, holy balls. Like that is awesome. Whether it's a fifth wheel, uh, you know, a, a big motor home. I can't, I can't always remember all the things, the bus mm-hmm. style. That's like, you know, a quarter of a million bucks. For sure. What is, if you don't have it now, what is your, what is your dream camper or cabin? Not a whole lot, to be honest. Reason being is because I always work there in the summers. So we've always, I've never been super keen on it. However, as a kid, go back to grandpa and grandma. We used to take road trips in a motor home. They had a class C coal coachman. Coachman, a little leopard, a little leopard on the side. I can picture it today. We used to ride down to Florida every March as a fam. Grandpa and my dad would drive, so we would all load up in this camper, 13, 15 deep, sleep seven, you know, and we would load up in that thing, and we would drive. And, like, the motorhome idea to me has always been really unique. The road trip idea, again, it's, it's packing people in, winding down, spending time together as a family, forced time. But it's time together. So if I had to choose, I would say a motorhome. But I don't want it too big because I want it to be forced. I want to be able to pack them in and yeah. make people spend time together, sit around a table and play cards on their way to the destination. So oh, yeah. I'm going to put it at a 28-foot, maybe 32-foot motorhome. Boom. Brand? Yeah. Mm, 
unpreferenced. Okay. All right. <laughs> cool. It makes me think of when you said not too big though, because you want people to mingle or whatever. Mm. You know, maybe maybe you didn't say mingle. Yeah. Makes you think of my 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 late grandmother Fema, who she's phenomenal. I actually just wrote a radio ad about her uh, pertaining to school shopping in the fall for Jay Longs, because she's was the most inspiring woman to me, and she's now deceased, but. She always used to, she loved throwing parties when she was younger. And she used to tell me she would on purpose make sure there was not enough seats. That's great. Even if she invited or knew there was maybe, let's just say 30 people coming, she'd make sure there was only like 15 seats so that it would force people to stand and talk and mingle. Great and idea. Get so caught up in sitting around one area and kind of their little clicky mentality. Great idea. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's smart. And the older I get, you know, there's it's so many little lessons like that you know mm. that you just remember and you're like that makes total sense totally i yeah. love that yeah you gotta be able use to, that sometimes you gotta be like able that. to like totally. be at the right age to appreciate that Big i think time. but hey you know it's great question number four most famous person who's ever stayed at camp Dells that you're aware of that i'm aware of or your grandfather told you, or your dad, or is anybody anybody famous in minnesota or beyond that maybe had, that's a good question I'm going to say that I don't know the person particularly. I know we've had a couple, um, If they would probably shun me for saying that I don't know who the person was. You don't know who that guy was? But there was a Vikings player back probably 10 years ago, a couple of them, that came out and stayed with us a couple of times. They grew quite a bit of attention. But that's probably the max Okay. that I'm aware of. Don't remember the names, don't remember the positions? Couldn't tell you. Okay. I just remember, I was younger. Kind yeah. of a kid, I just remember the hype, people taking pictures and like group pictures, but sure, I, I couldn't tell you the names, gotcha. unfortunately. That's all good. Question number five. I think this is good, and you did mention this probably 30, 45 minutes ago in this podcast, but purpose, right? A lot of times I've labeled this message, the last question of the night, but I'm going to label it purpose. You know, you grew up in this family business. You know, you 1955, you were obviously not born, but... Your grandpa Dell and Phyllis, right? Your grandmother put this thing together, kept this vision alive, just kept going, right? And then your dad, Niall, you know, took it over, you know, bought in or whatever you want to say in 1990 and, you know, maybe started, came back, you know, the story of that, which happens a lot in family businesses, right? What do you see your purpose in life as? I mean, you got a nine month old daughter now. Her name is Mara. You're married. Delaney, you know, it's an interesting time. You're 30, you're in a new decade. I've loved my 30s so far. I'm 37. Mm-hmm. But what's 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 Grant's purpose? I think it's a great question. It fits into who I am a lot in the sense because I think that I do live a lot based off of that. <laughs> my motto has always been do cool shit with cool people because I just think like <laughs> that's... Get a tramp stamp? Yeah. On the bad business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think that, yeah, purpose for me is just, it, it's, it's what speaks to me. Like, I don't do things for money, honestly. I don't do things for power. I don't do things for the fame. I don't do them for the glory. I do them because, like, I just want to do them. And I love to bring people together, different people from different areas. And we talked about this a little bit prior to the podcast. I like to get to know people a little bit more. And I find great joy in figuring out where you fit in like our scheme of our business not for me but for you 
because I think that we have something cool and unique and that's going to last and sustain the time. So I want you to be a part of it, but I got to get to know you. I need to know where do where do you fit best? What do you do the best of your ability? How do you look at your life and say, I want to do this forever because that fills my soul. And then I find those people and say, like, I find great joy in putting those people in those positions. Like, I love looking at business and saying, it's not about me at all. I could could care less about me, but I love watching other people succeed. So when I find somebody that I think is unique or special, they have a talent in some way. I, I like to look at my business then and say, where do you fit? How do I take you as a mold and bring you in and make you as successful as you can possibly be because ultimately that makes us what's all successful all of us rise up when you come in so as far as purpose for me is just doing my due diligence to make a difference in other people's lives making other people honestly i think that's my talent is looking at other people and being a leader to say i have influence on other people in a way that I can bring people in, a special person, and I can use my influence to put them where they need to be, and maybe they wouldn't get themselves there without me, but I can put them there and let them excel and do the things that they need to do. I feel like that gives me great purpose. Mic drop, baby. (laughs) Mic drop. I think it's great. Uh, I'm impressed. I really am. You know, not that you're that much younger than me, Grant, Mm. but 30-year-old kid. Um, not really a kid, a man, yeah. you know, with a daughter and, and a wife and in a business that you're continuing to uh, build up and tell the story of and, and everything else. I, did, I just think it's I think it's cool. And the fact that, you know, even before we started recording the podcast, you and I were vibing a lot about that sort of uh, topic about sure. building up staff, helping people, you know, get in the right seats on the bus you know, and, and, and how do we figure that out to continue the legacy of business, but also just, I mean, we get, we get one shot right here on this. Mm-hmm. I say it quite often on the get deep podcast, but this floating orb in the sky mm-hmm. that all of us are here for a very short period of time, you right. know, we get, we get one shot at this. Right. And so we can be selfish as hell and we can focus exactly on all of our big dreams and goals and run everybody over on the, uh, on the, on the way to do that. Mm-hmm. Or we can bring people with us. Right. And build them up totally. so that the story is even more beautiful and more fun and more random. Sometimes those are all good things, right? right? But because it creates ideas. Um, so I really appreciate you. Yeah. It's, it's good. I feel like, I feel like I've known you for yeah, it's been a long great, time, honestly, even though yeah. we've, we've only chatted a few times. Fantastic. But, um, as far as Camp Dells is concerned, I'm happy you guys are in the community. I'm happy that you're providing a space that's cool in 2023 of yeah. a space that, um, continues to push the envelope and provide cool experiences for people because as we talked about before it's not just about customer service it's about customer experience it's about client experience and so when you provide that people talk and you don't always need the perfect marketing always you need to provide a perfect experience or a great experience so that they tell other people so uh, anyways kudos to you thank you so much for your time on the Get Deep podcast, but just what you do, yeah. this community. And Appreciate it. Did you have fun tonight? It was fantastic, honestly. Okay. I would love to come back again sometime. It's been awesome. Great experience. Great host. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank, thank you, you for so having much. us. Appreciate I hope to try it. out that rock wall over the yeah, pool. Come on in. Soon, so. Yeah, come on. We'll, we'll get to plug that in on the, deep, <laughs> the Get Deep podcast. Yeah, yeah, That'd sure, be awesome. Yeah.
Yeah. Thank you guys for listening, watching, paying attention to Grant Pope tonight of Camp Dells in Waterville. Definitely check him out. If people want to book, by the way, Grant, where do they go? Just go to the website. Yeah. Go to Camp Dells with a K dot com. Dot com. Boom. Think about it, book it, make it happen. Lots of fun. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast or this episode tonight, make sure you give us a five-star rating if you can. And if there's a guest that you're uh, so inspired to you know, let Wes or myself know uh, that we need to talk to that's doing cool things in the community, shoot us a message. We'd love to consider talking to them as well. So thanks for tuning in. Have a wonderful night.